disciples? John why? Because he was the beloved and I'm God's favorite. Amen. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're God's favorite, but I guess we all are. So I don't just know. Yeah, well. You just <laughs> asked that. <laughs> so what else? The Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. Yep. Yes. What are the disciples? Who did you pick? Peter. 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 A lot of us identify with Peter. Big choices, big mistakes, and yet uh, big grace, big forgiveness, and uh, big ministry too. So, so what else? Favorite disciple? Huh? Luke. Now, what did Luke do? Is the doctor? Where would we be without Luke recorded history? And not only that, uh, Luke and Silas both. Uh, sometimes we talk about all that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote. You know, God always has a plan in everything. Uh, Paul didn't write much. I mean, he gave out the ideas and everything like that and shared. But it's Luke and Silas who wrote for him. Occasionally you'd have Paul who would say, see, I write this with my own hand. Uh, you know, or I sign this with my own hand. Some of the books. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, the reason we have so much of uh, what happened in Paul's ministry and everything was because of those who sent with him. And, and, you know, it just goes to show God uses everybody. Everybody. Yep. And uh, I, uh, again, I hope we're living lives to be those kind of disciples. We're going to talk a little bit about that today here with uh, uh, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Writing this to the disciples, Jesus is speaking it before uh, last night uh, as he uh, is sharing with them about what's going to happen with his death. And it's good for them that he's going to go because another is going to come. Yeah. And he's writing to them and the, the promise of the Holy Spirit here. And so pick it up here, this conversation in John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, uh, said, I was thinking about that whenever uh, uh, she said Judas, I thought, okay, which Judas is uh, she picking out then? And then whenever she said that, I thought, okay, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> interesting there of what uh, uh, we would find there. Uh, but uh, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. 
But the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit at work in our lives? What does it mean to you? When you think of that, you know, we're, we're referred to as a, a Pentecostal church. And uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost, sometimes people associate that with just the work of the Holy Spirit in Pentecostal. Pentecostal was about really reaching out and sharing the gospel with everyone. I mean, Pentecostal was the, the day of the formation of the church. And whenever we talk about that, the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is at work in every believer's lives. And it depends on how much we're willing to let him be at work in our lives. What does it mean to you, individually? What's the Holy Spirit mean? Why do you need the Holy Spirit? He promised it to us, and Jesus seemed to emphasize them they were going to need it. We realized what happened on the day of Pentecost. But what does it mean to you? To me, I feel that I talk to God, I talk to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit speaks through me and is in me when I can't, when I don't know what to say or what to pray for. Yeah. That, that, that's when then I receive the most gifted part of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard to uh, explain to new young believers. You know, over a life of uh, lived and maturing and growing in Christ, you realize, looking backwards, all the times that he does, not only whenever we're praying that he intercedes on our behalf, but so often whenever uh, something will just come to our mind of what we're going to share, it's like, the only place that came from is the Holy Spirit. Someone else, what's it mean to have the Holy Spirit at work inside of you? What, what Jesus promised here, what does that mean in everyday life? on that a little bit. According to his way, not our way. Right. Someone else, what's it mean? If you hear these words of Jesus, this read to you, if you've been there hearing it, what would it mean? And then looking back on your life also, here, what we've learned, what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit at work in our lives every day? scripture was up there. I uh, used to sometimes on Sunday nights or different things I'd be preaching all of a sudden everybody kind of get excited and they were putting the chief scores up behind me. I didn't oh. realize what the, the sound room was. So I, I was like whenever I, they went up there I'm like, 
what are they pointing there? Or what the, you know, you're going, I got a spot on my shirt. What are, what are they looking at there? Yeah. Advocate. What does advocate mean? Yeah. Amen. Think we have an advocate who's with us, and we also have Jesus Christ who's at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Yeah. You know, think about that. I mean, you see all these advertisements on TV for different law firms. If you've been in a personal injury, you've been this or that. You know what it is. And who do you want? Do you want the biggest ones, the ones that win? You know, they say all those things. And you always have a little small disclaimer that you know an advertisement is not the best way to pick out a out a lawyer. You know, little words there go. Uh, at the bottom, you know, as far as uh, our legal counsel. But what Christ promised is that we need to realize they're always at work on our behalf. I want somebody who's going to win. I hope yeah. I never really have to have legal representation. But if I do, I want somebody who's going to fight to win. You know, I, I sometimes look at different ones and, and I'm like, I want somebody who knows what they're doing and, and fights. Well, what's it mean in a daily life? See, without making a decision about this on your own and saying, okay, what does this word mean to us? We'll just kind of read it and gloss over it. He said there, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Without obedience, the work of the Spirit and the Word of God, the Bible, and that's just going to sound harsh, but it's really worthless. Because if you read the Bible and it tells you what to do and you think, yeah, that's what I should do, but this is what I'm going to do, right. then what good is it? If the Holy Spirit is telling you, no, you can't go that direction, that's wrong. And we continue to go. He said, if you love me, you obey my commands. See, we can't say, well, I love you, but uh, now I'll, I'll make my own choices. These two go together here. Uh, the word here in, in the Greek, the parakletos, uh, which it, it really isn't easy to translate, honestly, into English because it's made up of two words. Uh, the para, the first side, is uh, first part of the word there that Paul, uh, that uh, the writers using here in the Greek uh, Testament, is decide, come along, and then uh, the second one, uh, the kletos, is someone called. And, you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be sent to us. He would call the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us. And to stand there on our behalf. When Peter was preaching in Acts 2, he said the promise of this that Jesus had given, the promise that Joel had written about, he said, is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call that idea of being called again. That all the Lord is going to call, he's going to give the Holy Spirit too. Think about how far off that call was. When they were saying this, because, sure, sometimes we'll say something, and we don't even totally understand what we're saying. We need to understand that these disciples, all of a sudden, they have been called the Holy Spirit. Suddenly Peter is saying things, he doesn't have any comprehension of what he's saying. I, I truly believe that. I mean, Peter was the outgoing one, the boisterous one, the mouth. And sometimes he could say whatever was totally wrong, or he could be a person of action uh, to cut off the ear or different things. Totally would fly in the face of what Jesus was saying. And yet here on the day of Pentecost, 
he gets it right. Is it just luck? Or is it what a difference the Holy Spirit makes in life? Because whatever he says to all who are far off, think about that. I, I, I saw him earlier that he holds time in his hand. The great is our God, the beginning and the end. God already knows. And God knew that somebody was going to reach out into our lives. Let me ask a question here. I, I got an idea. Everybody here, Christian, you've asked Christ to be Lord of your life. Everybody? Amen. I kind of figured so in this group. So whenever we look at it and realize that somewhere ages, God has had his hand there on somebody who's spoken to your life. It may have been a parent brought to church. It may be a friend who shared with you about Christ. It may be you just walked into church and really didn't know why. I've got a, uh, well, he's not a young man anymore. He's in his mid-50s, but he's a missionary to Brazil, an evangelist to Brazil. Uh, his name is Michael Borchardt. And Michael was, uh, uh, his uh, stepbrother was uh, Mo, who was our worship leader, and Mo would always say, Pastor, would you pray for my brother Michael? Michael was the epitome of the heathen. I mean, uh, dealing drugs, dealing drugs, kinds of things, and uh, uh, Michael is kind of strung out at night, and all of a sudden it's just like this conviction quickening in his life that what he was doing was wrong, and so he felt like he... Uh, He's scared. He needed to go to church on Sunday morning. The next morning. This was Saturday night in a row this happened. So he gets up and he starts driving down 75th Street over on Park, coming down from, from west, where uh, we're range and past Antioch. And he's going down to about Knoll, because that was the only church he had ever gone to many years back with a girl uh, there at Prairie Baptist Church. And as he's driving by our church, you think about it, not knowing his uh, half-brother, uh, whose mom had married his dad, uh, Goes to church there, knows nothing about it. As he's driving by, he hears his voice say, This is where you need to be today. And he's like, It's crazy. And you know, still a, a little messed up from the night before. And so he said he drove around the block, went back out on 75th, and he drove down again, and he heard the same voice right there as he got from the church. And so he, he walks into church, and he comes in, and our ushers, uh, you know, sometimes. Yeah, you just get the really sharp ones. That day, he says, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm single. Well, they heard Seekers class, so they put him in Seekers class. Well, Seekers was where his uh, uh, half-brother is in class. He goes in and sits down beside him. No, see, and, uh, you know, it's a fairly good-sized class, 35-40. And then uh, after service, they see each other. Well, uh, they go out and they sit in service, small blood worship. Well, in the midst of service, all of a sudden, there's a message in tongues. And uh, Mo, who often was used to give an interpretation, was that day. And somebody new gave an interpretation. And I mean, it was just pinpointed right at this. Didn't know uh, this young man, know anything about him. I mean, in the midst of everything, I mean, for anybody could think to give an altar call, he comes out of the seat and just come flying down to the altar. In those cases where when he was changed, it was like Saul on the Damascus Road. It was just a, a, a change in him and uh, changed his life and, and uh, you know, he started reaching out and reaching out to, to people and internationals and a lot of people as our, our church continued to grow in there through the 90s and, and somebody said, why are all these internationals coming to your church? I mean, we have something coming that uh, we actually started a Korean church, a Chinese church, a Spanish church, a, uh, a Indian uh, kind of all nations thing uh, from uh, 
from India, uh, uh, Brazilian church, which uh, Michael actually found his, uh, his wife is, is Brazilian, but all these different ones. I mean, on Sunday morning, we'd have our first two services, and then the uh, uh, Chinese would have use our sensitive classes. They'd have service right after we were out sanctuary. The Spanish would do the same thing. Uh, we uh, uh, would do it with, with the Koreans in the afternoon, and then uh, uh, we'd come back and have a night service, and then the Brazilians. I mean, it was just a crazy time. I mean, our church wasn't well set up for uh, lobby. It was just it was just God's spirit moving. You know, people were like, wow, why not now? Uh, you know, we just going along. <laughs> it was just going to be another Sunday there in uh, in '91, whenever that happened. And uh, you know, God just changed the life. And you never know what God's going to do or what the Holy Spirit's going to do in life. And now, you know, He preaches to thousands. <laughs> he's in Brazil, and he's uh, actually got there's this mountain that he's uh, trying to buy. It's the highest elevation. There's this real nice retreat center on top of it. It's been closed down as an orphanage for kids and, and everything. And what uh, uh, Michael and Deborah are, are are doing that, and and he's continued to work construction, and basically he's paid for self-paid for his own way on everything that he's done. I mean, it's just been, you know, he, he's not obligated to anybody but God. I mean, he just, uh, you know, is is just changing things. But I, I was saying that it was just, you know, what the Holy Spirit doing is the Holy Spirit in his life. And somebody said, does he speak all these different languages? I says, Michael's not the sharpest kid in the drawer. He doesn't even do English real well. We'll love to think about that. He doesn't speak any other language. I mean, his wife interprets everything. But whenever he speaks, I mean, he just speaks from God. I mean, it is just yeah. a, what the Holy Spirit's doing life. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, you know, that's what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when they all burst out of the uh, upper room after being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages, languages everybody understood. And everybody was hearing. They were hearing them praise the, uh, the glory of God and reach out that. Just not, it wasn't a badge to wear to say, I'm spirit filled. They didn't have any idea about that. They just, just as they were filled with the spirit, just launched them into ministry that day and, and uh, uh, said, The disciples turned the world upside down. And yet, at the same time, they'd have stayed in Jerusalem if it hadn't been for the persecution. You know, we have no idea so often until we look backwards. You know, some people tell me, well, I saw this great vision, and this is what I saw and what God's going to do. I always kind of keep an eye on those people because I, I worry about them. I, I don't always see great visions. What I see is whenever I look backwards, I see that God's hand has moved me everywhere that he's wanted me to be, and God has always been at work. And sometimes I, I don't know why the choices of where I'll go or even a situation I'll find myself and what I will share. It really is just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to work in each one of us every day. Amen. And it's not... We've sometimes made it, I mean, it's phenomenal, it's incredible, and yet it's not that strange and weird. And sometimes we want to make it. See, Jesus promised that his Holy Spirit was going to come alongside of us. There in those verses that I read in John 14, he says, you know, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. See, without the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to strengthen us, lead us, and guide us. Without him, we'd have no chance of making it. Amen. Sometimes we will say, well, I'm a self-made man. I'm not. Yep. I'm a God-made man. Yep. I look back and see faithfulness with you. I think a little bit the first time whenever I was here is when I came to the city, I'm a basketball coach. I came here to run a, uh, a basketball league, and I was coaching high school basketball, and 
I was helping out in a youth group and just doing youth ministry. And uh, because I'd gone to CBC, uh, you know, everybody's like, well, yeah, you can do youth ministry. Because like that's some badge or something to wear. I went there because I was recruited to play basketball there. It was a simple reason. I'd always been an AG kid, a kid, but I, I that's the reason I was I was there. I mean, you know, I love God here. I still remember the first time I, I went and visited there at uh, at the CBC. My uh, my sister was going there, and uh, I'm uh, the coach was recruiting me, wanted me to come play ball there, and I, I go and uh, they had one of those chapel services where the spirit moved. And this chapel service went for about four and a half hours. Wow. And it, it was good, genuine. And the coach, uh, afterwards, we were talking and everything. I said, I'm not coming to play ball here. I said, this is for people who are pastors or going to be missionaries and everything. God's not called me to that. I'm not called <laughs> that way. I, I led a Royal Ranger group in my home church. I, I taught Sunday school, those things. But I said, uh, you know, I was driving trucks over the road, delivering hauling grain, fertilizer, good things. And, uh, you know, it's like, no. And he kept harping on me for about six, eight months, and I just kept saying no. And finally came the last day there in August, uh, and I had to make a decision, or he called one or two, and I said, I'm not coming to play basketball. That's not what God has for me in my life. I'm not called. I love God, but I'm not called like that. And so I, uh, I threw the... Uh, uh, my application in the wastebasket that morning, and I headed out. Uh, I, I lived in uh, Versailles, uh, down by Lake Ozarks. I drove out of there, and I was uh, coming up I-70, uh, kind of from Columbia. I'd, I'd been there first, and as I'm driving, I uh, it's about oh mile marker 104. Uh, I had the highway patrol pull me over. Uh, I wouldn't do anything wrong. Just that routine inspection on your uh, uh, truck. And it just a waste of 20 minutes of my life. And I was so frustrated and I was angry and irritated because what that meant was I was not going to make my appointment to load at 10 o'clock in Boonville down uh, with, uh, with grain down on the elevator there on the river. And because of that, that meant I would go to the end of the line of whatever, how many trucks were there, and I would get in whenever I got in and uh, what that was going to waste my day, cost my day. And I am. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't say any bad words. You know, I. I love to play golf, and I've had guys with me says, uh, you know, healing guys who say, man, you're the best example of a Christian I've ever seen because as terrible as you play, you never say anything bad. I said, yeah, but where I spit, the grass dies. I got so frustrated and, and mad inside. And I, I was just that day. And, and I remember finally he gets done. It's about 10, 10 05, and I hit the last three miles, turn in there off of uh, 70 down into Boonville. And as I'm going down, I'm kind of like, going on here? And you know, then I hear sirens coming out there, different things. And as I get down, what had happened was uh, whenever I didn't hit my spot at 10 o'clock, they let another guy pull into my spot and they had one of those rare dust explosions and it uh, killed Howard, the guy who was loading, and the guy who had uh, taken my spot. And I was kind of like, okay, God, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, I went home, I parked my truck, and my boss, Alan, Ollie Allen says, man, I am just so thankful <laughs> uh, that that wasn't you, Bill. And, I said, Alan, I'm done. He says, what do you mean? I said, I think God wants me to go to Bible college. I have no clue why <laughs> or what, but uh, I said, uh, uh, I'm done. I, I parked my truck, and that was the end of uh, driving and went to Bible college. And then over the years, you know, we, we played there, uh, played ball. We actually, uh, my junior year, had, uh, developed the kind of team that we wanted to. We uh, playing in the uh, 
tournament and I blew out a knee and uh, that was kind of the end of it. And I remember laying in the hospital after having a major surgery back in the day where you could have uh, good simple sometimes whenever they open everything up and, and thinking, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. I've, I've given up everything. Play ball because it seemed like that's what you want. And then we get that close. And now, nothing. I mean, I'm playing ball for you. And it's like the first time I heard this voice inside of me says, you've never done anything for me, Phil. Everything you do has always been about you. And, uh, you know, it really started me on a spiritual journey. Laying there and over the next uh, eight weeks, a lot of my leg was in a, a cast. And, and uh, you know, just growing and go to Alaska. And, and I'm uh, up there in uh, Alaska. Uh, uh, I'd gone there because we played basketball up there a year earlier. I just, I had to do an internship. You know, everybody had to do an internship at some church. And I thought, man, why not go have fun in Alaska? And so I, I'd gone to a church up there and I'm working in the daycare. And, then I'm helping with the youth ministry, and then the youth pastor leaves, and, and uh, then the associate pastor is down in Minnesota and has a, 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 a kidney problems, and so he's stuck there. Then the senior pastor has a stroke, oh, well, no, a heart attack. And, you know, everybody's like, well, you're going to CDC, you can just take care of the church. The church is about 600, 650 there, Molden Community Assembly, and Pastor Shinneman uh, had, had built a great church there, and I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, 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 you know, you don't understand. I'm, that's really not me. And I still remember the very first Sunday. I mean, uh, Shinnemon was one of those fiery kind of guys that uh, if, if you like that kind of a pastor, I mean, I, I like an in-your-face kind of guy, but I remember that night they kind of pulled back the oxygen chamber and he could talk to me. And, and uh, he grabs me up there, grabs my shirt, and he pulls me down there, and he says, okay, boy, he says, you're in charge now. You preach the word straight and true. Anybody gives you any problems, you kick their tail out, you understand? And I was just kind of like, Okay, and I'm thinking, so you know, I, I spent that Saturday night getting the message ready and Sunday morning, and, and that morning, uh, another who had heard about it that was kind of a little whack. I mean, they were really whack. And uh, this guy comes into service, and he gives a message in tongues that day, and he just, you know, and it just felt weird. And I've seen things at CBC that sometimes I felt weird about the Holy Spirit. I mean, certain things, the way that it's working, it's like, okay, is that really it's about? I mean, and then he gives his own interpretation about how this church out of God's will and uh, under judgment and Pastor Shinneman and different things. And, and I just, you know, I'm sitting there going, what do you do? <laughs> uh, I'm sitting there, a scared kid, you know, at age about uh, 21. And I uh, I stepped to the mic and I said, folks, if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14, I want to tell you about what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is and what he does and why he's here to strengthen and encourage to build us up, but what's happened this morning has brought confusion, and God's not a God of confusion. Amen. And uh, Amen. I start, uh, you know, share. This guy jumps up and he says, "Young man, I was sent here by God," and he says, "I sit here with this message," and uh, he kind of steps forward and probably think of kind of came back to my days of playing basketball. I stepped uh, out of the pulpit to go meet him, and I kind of catch myself, and I said, "I said, would you take this guy?" Take back to my office, I'll deal with him a little while, but I'm going to teach here about it. And I covered the church for the next six weeks. And I was like, I, I was faithful. Uh, God blessed. I, I love the people. It was the greatest fun time of my life there. And uh, the people loved me, and we, we enjoyed it. And uh, I, I stayed a couple weeks longer into September before I uh, uh, came back, because for Pastor Gentleman to get back. 
And whenever he gets back, you know, uh, I leave, go back to CDC. It's like the second week of October, their call comes in, in the middle of the night, because last was like four hours ahead or something at that time there into the dorm. And, and as I'm, uh, you know, uh, somebody calls and I mean, like that day of time, you only had one pay phone. So somebody else answered it, come beat on my dorm door and said, hey, there's a phone call for you. And I go and it's uh, Pastor Shinneman. He says, I just want to tell you what happened today. He says, because you held it faithful here. He says, this morning, he said, we had over 140 people get saved. Wow. I mean, it's blowing the doors off. This church has gone to four or 5,000. One of the kids out of my youth group can't back back in there. It's just, it's gone great uh, over the last 40 years. But, uh, and he said, and tonight, he said, the spirit moved. We had 126 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And he said, if you hadn't held this church together and remained faithful, it wouldn't happen. And I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. I still think I'm, I'm not called a pastor. <laughs> Just not. As I say, whenever I came here a year later, I, I came here to, uh, you know, beat Oakland Park. And uh, uh, I was helping with youth ministry doing things. And the senior pastor started having strokes. And again, I kind of took care of the church. And... Uh, uh, did it for five years. One day he resigns. He never spoke to the congregation from 85 on. And, and he resigns and said, uh, I've been Moses' congregation, been here 41 years. Joshua has come. God told me that last night. I'm going to no longer be called senior pastor of this church. And the Lord comes to me and says, great, you're going to take it. I said, guys, I don't know. I don't know that I'm called a pastor. They said, you've been doing it. I said, I've just been being faithful in another man's ministry. That's all doing. I said, just faithful to God, faithful to his word. That's all I'm doing. And I said, let me pray about it. I prayed for a couple weeks and I said, okay, I'll do it. Maximum length one year. You start looking for somebody else. As soon as you get it, I'm out of here. I did 21 of those one year commitments. Church, before I left to do what I do now, which is the work, which is what my degree really is in coaching. Yeah, I have a, the Bible theology degree also, but uh, coaching is my heart. And, and now coaching, working with pastors and ministry leaders. What I'm saying to you is, that's just a story. When I look backwards, I see how the Holy Spirit moved everything and how the Holy Spirit even moved me into pastoring because I have a better understanding for pastors and different things. I mean, for mine, I would have just been a high school and then a college coach. I mean, tell people, I think I've got as good a feel for the game as anybody out there. I think I could have been, uh, I was a solid coach in high school. I think I could have been a great coach. But that wasn't what God had. What I'm saying is, we don't always understand all that the Holy Spirit's doing until we look backwards and we see that he's still at work. You know, we have the promise, Jesus promised is, if you're obedient, he's always going to be at work in your life. He promised that he would come alongside of us. Not only did he promise that, but uh, he promised that he would be there to comfort us. And John, uh, verse 25, 27 says, All this I have spoken while I'm still with you, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, you're not going to be alone. You don't have to have fear. There, uh, there's a great movie out about, I think it's about 10 years ago, uh, called 42. It's a Jackie Robinson story. And uh, I, I love sports stories. I love sports. So, I, you know, uh, if, if that's the questions on Jeopardy, I can answer most of them. If it's anything else, I don't have a clue what they're talking about. You know, it's just not... But I still remember the part of the uh, movie there and reading about the story later on 
where he had made an error there early on in, uh, in Brooklyn, uh, Jackie Robinson had, and everybody was yelling at him and booing him, you know, he's the first black player. And uh, Pee Wee Reese came over and stood alongside of him and just put his arm around uh, uh, Jackie and uh, stared at all the fans of, you're talking about him, you're talking about me. And everybody got quiet. And I thought, man, that's the promise that we have is that the Holy Spirit is always going to be there with me. Whether I blow it, whether I do well, no matter what, I have a promise. The Holy Spirit isn't going to leave me. I grew up in a pretty legalistic church, always thinking all I had to do was one wrong thing, and God was dangling me over hell would love to get rid of me at any moment. What I've come to realize over the years of just living my life in Christ and with Christ, and His Holy Spirit work in me, is that God's done everything he can to save me. And he's going to battle and do everything he can to keep me. I don't need to worry. I don't need to fear. People say, well, do you believe in eternal security? I believe in biblical security. That if you're obedient to God's word, don't worry about it. Yeah. Enjoy life. Be obedient to God's word and just live it out there. Jesus, his promise that he would come along, be comfort, and what a change he can make in lives. This last Tuesday night, I was invited to a group that we partner with and we've helped raise money and support them. Uh, good Dads program, and it's uh, teaching guys coming out of prison or guys in your city what it is to be good fathers, because most of them haven't. And it was at the Healing House Ministry. Uh, Healing House was started by Bobby Joe Reed several years back. It's up in the, kind of on the north of St. John uh, uh, Boulevard up there in the northeast part of Kansas City. And, and just an incredible ministry. She feeds like 250, 300 people every evening after they get off work. They all have to be working, have to have jobs, and, and when they come out. But uh, uh, these guys, they had 17 graduate. They can only do 20 at a time in a class, and there's about 120 guys that have signed on waiting to get to have this class, to go through this uh, six-month class, uh, being taught what it is to be good dads, just to walk alongside. And I heard them talk about that, of, of realizing what they learned and what they learned about uh, a Heavenly Father, which is hard for many of them to grasp. Whenever you haven't had an earthly father, or you haven't known an earthly father, it's pretty hard to grasp that a heavenly father would be a good father. And there was some of the guys in class who said, I don't even have kids, but I never had a good relationship with a father. I just wanted to learn what it would be to be a father. And those opportunities. And here those guys testify of what changes have made in their life. And one guy talked about the smell he came in, and he says, I apologize for the way I'm dressed. He, he had grease oil all over him and everything. He just got there in time for it to start at about 7 o'clock. And he said, my kids used to smell on me drugs, dope, alcohol all the time. He says, at least I know, yeah, I stink here tonight. It's a smell of fuel, <laughs> oils. But he said, I want my kids to remember this smell because this is what a life changed in Christ could do. Amen. <laughs> and is, can make a difference. See, what I'm saying is, we have no idea what the Holy Spirit's going to do in our lives. Well, all I can guarantee is, if you're obedient to his word, he's always working on your behalf. And even whenever you fail, I will go so far as to tell you, he's still always working on your behalf to bring you back. Amen. The Holy Spirit is always reaching out. See, because that was the last thing that he said. He says, not only does the Spirit come along to comfort us, but it comes alongside to convict us. In, verse, in chapter 16 of John, and always remember, the chapters are anointed. They were just a way to kind of keep track of things. The chapters came in in about the 13th century. Uh, the verses uh, started being put in about 100 years later on. 
So don't get all caught up in kind of where our chapter starts or stops. This was just Jesus speaking all the way through there. And in uh, 16 verse 5, he says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can uh, see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I'm thankful for conviction. I'm thankful that whenever I mess up, the Holy Spirit convicts me. I told people, I would rather be accused of going to the altar one too many times as one too few. Amen. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, just change. What's the unpardonable sin? If so the Holy Spirit is telling you the right thing to do and all like that, or telling you that you need to ask for forgiveness, and you refuse to do it. See, somehow we feel like, well, God can send his Holy Spirit, and then we get a, a free will of choice. Am I going to agree with it or not? And I see people, it's like Jesus had in this day and time as the Pharisees, who try to twist around Scripture to justify what they want to say. Like, no, interpret the Bible in light of the Bible. Listen to what it says. He says, going to convict because of sin. Because people don't believe in him. And they're going to go on and think that their sinful lives are okay. He says, in regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. See, because of his overcoming death, hell, and the grave, and his going to be with the Father, and they're interceding on my behalf, he gives me his righteousness. I'm not righteous because I grew up in church. I'm thankful that I had that opportunity. As I shared with you, I was born on a Saturday night, attended church the next day. We went every day to church. We never missed church service. I mean, that's the only place we go. And we loved our preachers. Uh, running all over the place inside. I think that was the only entertainment we had, maybe, or something back then. But we, uh, but that's where we were at. We'd get those pins for being there every Sunday. But right and righteousness doesn't come because of that. It comes because of the work that Christ did on the cross, because he's gone to the Father. I am now pronounced righteous. Amen. Even when I blow it, he still calls me his child. You know, we tell all these guys we work with in this Good Dads program that what the Father said of Jesus baptized, this is my beloved son, to have a place of belonging, whom I love, and to know what it is to be loved. With them I am well pleased. Think about those three things in there. That's all we need in life, is we need a place of belonging, a name. We need to know that we're loved. Every child needs to know that they're loved. Man, what a difference that makes, just to know they're loved. And to realize that somebody believes in them and is well pleased with them in their lives. And the Father speaks that, the Heavenly Father, to the Son. And we need to realize that's what the Holy Spirit is speaking on his behalf to us every day. If you don't listen to the world who says, God doesn't really love you, or God couldn't care about you, or God couldn't make a way, God couldn't change. I have a feeling looking around this congregation, you all have been here in the church long enough and mature enough to know the truth is, God's always faithful. Probably sometimes you're like me, you haven't been, but God always is. And in regards to judgment, because he says the prince of this world already stands condemned. I am so thankful that we're on the winning team. Uh, 
you know, some people said I'm too competitive when it comes to sports. I just like winning. Amen. Yeah. Charlie Brown said, when I lose, I'm miserable. When I win, I feel guilty. I told people I look at that and decided I could handle guilt a whole lot better than I could handle misery. And I, I just like to win. But Jesus said, we're already on the winning side. Yeah. Why would you ever want to go join the other team? Why would you ever want to join a team of losers? People say, Billy Joel can sing all he wants. I'd rather laugh at the sinners than cry with the saints. He's getting himself. There is no joy in hell. There is no joy in that losing. See, Jesus has promised to give us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. And we need it every day. I want to give you right quickly here, and Jerry, I'm going to ask if you'd come back and be my asset. If we could have a little time to spend. And I'm going to give you why you need the Holy Spirit here, right quick. You've got two minutes to do it in. First of all, you need the Holy Spirit because just to make it through this daily life, the world that we live in. You just need the Holy Spirit to make it daily. Secondly, not only do you need it, but you know the world needs you to be filled with the Spirit. And you know why? Because the world is going to bump into you. It's going to bang into you. It's going to run into you. And when you're jostled around, what's going to come out? And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, what will come out is still Christ's love and Christ's grace into other lives. We can't survive without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't know the right words to share. We can't pray for people. We can't intercede in prayer without the Holy Spirit working our lives. I want to ask, have you ever asked Jesus to give you the Holy Spirit? See, he, he promised there in Luke 11 that if we'd ask him to give him to you, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You need the Holy Spirit today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'd like to ask you just to stand and to join down here again today. If you would. If, if not, if you're more comfortable staying there, then just stay there. But I'd love for you to come and just join together because we need one another. Yeah. And the world needs you. You're going out. And you don't even know who you're going to run into this week. You don't know who's going to make you mad. Who's going to frustrate you. But I invite you, come on down. Just join around here. I asked Jerry, I said, would you just leave some more worship just for us to have time, just to spend in his presence? Why? Because we need it for the week we're going to face. And the world needs it for the week that they're facing. And unfortunately, most of them haven't been in church where they've been in God's presence. Therefore, they're going to need what you have this week. Okay? Thank mm -hmm. you.